Welcome to the One America podcast. I'm your host, Sophia Nelson. Today is Saturday, May 30th, 2020. Welcome to our special Saturday Thought segment. This has been a challenging week for America with over 101,000 deaths due to the COVID virus, staggering unemployment, long food lines, and violence erupting in the streets of Minneapolis after an African-American man, George Floyd, was murdered and the murder captured on video at the hands of policemen, all of whom have now been fired. America and Americans seem divided in ways we have not seen in a generation. And that spirit today, we're going to talk about what happens when women lead us, how they lead differently. And to drive home this discussion, my guest is Ms. Krishan Trotman, co-author of a series of four delightful and inspiring books, Queens of the Resistance. The books will be released next month, June, by Plume, which is part of the Penguin Group, just ahead of the 2020 Democratic National Convention. These illustrated pocket-sized volumes illuminate the fascinating lives and accomplishments of a few of the most influential women in American politics with both humor and style. Each book of the Queens of Resistance series celebrates the rise of four of the most famous and accomplished women in American politics today. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, and longtime California Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Krishan is a trailblazer in her own right. She is an executive editor at Hachette Books, which as a woman of color puts her in a very elite club of editors at the major publishing houses. In a time of nonstop news cycles and escalating political rhetoric, these books are a welcome invitation to take a beat to celebrate the strong, brilliant women who are already leading the charge and allows to imagine the future female leaders to come. Krishan, welcome to the One America podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I know, long intro, quite the intro, but that's what we do here. We want to make sure everybody knows who we're talking to. Um, I'm delighted to have you. I know how busy you are. Uh, just a few reflections. Uh, my first question out the box is, tell me how you're feeling as a citizen of this country right now about everything you see. I mean, where are we? Uh, which I think is a great lead into talking about your books. Um, personally, I just feel extremely heartbroken um, and shaken to my core, which I don't know why I would feel like that because everything that is happening now in terms of Black lives um, is not anything new. It's just that it's being filmed. Um, but to watch these occurrences and to experience it together as a nation, um, especially via social media, is, you know, it really it really creates a different feeling than we've known in the past um, before social media and before um, these things were being filmed, before smartphones. So personally, I just feel really, um, you know, just disheartened is an understatement. Um, there's really actually no words to describe how I feel now about the state of Black America um, under um, this administration. And, um, you know, with COVID added onto this and us losing tons of our family members mm -hmm. and not being able to bury our loved ones. I mean, there's just a lot hitting us now. And um, the most important thing is taking care of each other loving on our community 
mental health and self-care and a whole lot of prayer in my opinion yeah i think i agree with all of that i lost an aunt i've uh, lost some sorority sisters some neighbors have lost family members as well um we all know somebody or we've had members of our own family affected and you're absolutely right i think i've watched a number of people uh over the past week uh during all the events in this country all the ones that i mentioned you know in the lead in i've watched a number of anchors break down and cry i've watched guests break down and cry and i think we're all under an enormous amount of pressure emotionally, spiritually, relationally, professionally. And I think your books are timely uh because I think although there is definitely some humor in there, it's very serious and you're really giving insight into these amazing women who have defied the odds uh to lead at the highest levels of our nation. And so we're going to get into that in a minute. Tell folks about you though, Krishan. Tell us about you, your background, uh, how you got into editing books and, you know, landing at one of the biggest publishing houses in the world. And also don't forget to tell us about the fact that you are a mom and you have a wonderful little boy. So, let's let's learn a little bit about you. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, well, I am from New York. I am a New Yorker, which means a lot. And um I was raised by a single mother in Harlem. and the Bronx so i have a lot in common with AOC in that matter and with Maxine Waters um and probably a lot of um Elizabeth Warren in a few ways too but i was you know i'm from you know a middle class family and it's always been important to me to um use my work to speak to social justice i don't know i was just born this way maybe i saw a lot in new york as a as a young black woman growing uh here but social justice has been a huge part of my, you know, personal vendetta and I happened to be in a publishing program at City College because I was an English major. I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't want to be a teacher, uh which most people associate with um, you know, you have to have a job as a writer. What are you going to do? Most people think you should be a teacher, and I it just wasn't in me to teach. Um uh, so one um one class we had you know sometimes they would bring in special guests and a real turning point in my life was when this beautiful black woman with an afro walked into the class as one of the speaking uh as one of the guests and as an english major you know we were studying a lot of the so-called american um great writers and a lot of them are white writers um i loved listening to her and what she did in publishing because she was publishing a lot of people of color fiction and non-fiction and you know these were contemporary contemporary writers we were reading all the classics but there were writers out here um uh, with a lot to say um you know that were you know closer to my generation and so after that class i just said you know i really want to work with you and i did everything i could to get in contact with her and i got an internship there she was someone who would um was very focused on bringing up the next generation of black editors so she always had a black assistant um her assistant left and he went on to pursue his uh, phd at a Ivy League school and then I came in um right after him as a you know I went I became her editorial assistant and that's when it all started so um yeah I've just climbed up in publishing I've done a lot of things in terms of 
I've worked for bigger publishers and smaller publishers. I have freelanced and worked outside of publishing as a, um, you know, sort of a consultant position as well for a long time. Uh, and I came back into um, corporate um, structure and, and a publishing house um, when I had my son. Um, my son's name is Blue and he's fabulous. Um, so that, you know, led me back into corporate because I needed health insurance, of course. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just been, I was at Skyhorse Publishing, which is a small publisher. And then thankfully I was, to, I was called to, uh, recruited to Hachette Books, which was wonderful because it's a bigger publisher and I can do a lot more there. Yeah, um, you're amazing. I know that firsthand because we worked together years ago on my first book, I believe, right? Yeah. So um, I know your work ethic. I know um, how serious you are about what you do and how passionate you are about it. And no one deserves the success more than you do uh, at this level. And we're all very proud of you, by the way. Thank it's, you. It's, it's no small thing. And it fits into the context, Krishan, right, of what we're talking about and what we're dealing with right now as America. America is changing and change is difficult for those who have been used to having the reins of power, the positions and all of the things that go along with that. And um, we're still, a lot of my white friends will say to me, well, what do you mean that's the first black person to be the first neurosurgeon or the first black valedictorian at Princeton? Yeah, huh? yeah it's and crazy. And they don't understand that, yeah, we're still making first. Wow. And in that context, Tell me a little bit about, tell our audience about some of the authors you've had the opportunity to work with. I know a few of the people you've published amazing. And, oh, you know, what your new books are about. I want to segue into that. First, tell us who, who some of who you work with and published and worked on their books. And then I want to talk about what your new books are about and why you chose these four women. Because there's a lot of amazing women out there. So I'm intrigued by why you picked these four uh, women. Yeah, um, coming from New York and, and a, as a at a lower middle class family, I was always told to be a Democrat. That's the one. My, we didn't talk a lot about politics, but my mom always told me to vote Democrat. Um, and we went with her to vote, and I knew how important it was. Um, but politics was not something that I was really into, um, and I didn't really think that it represented who I was, and I didn't really see that. And working in um, in publishing, I get to work with some amazing people like Zerlina Maxwell, who is an MSNBC analyst, a black woman. Uh, we're publishing her book as well uh, this summer. It's titled The End of White Politics. So you, you see what that, <laughs> that statement says Zerlina's a lot. Zerlina's good people. So yeah, she's, I, I look forward to reading that actually. Yes, yeah, I'm really people. excited about that. I, I mean, it makes a statement even with the title. Um, and Malcolm Nance is one of my authors. He, uh, we published his New York Times bestsellers, um, The Plot to- Great guy. Yeah, The Plot to Destroy Democracy and um, The Plot to Betray America. Both books are about Trump and he is, you know, highly intelligent and he was an intelligence officer for years and I just adore him. And I really think he's really smart and uh, insightful in a, in a way that, he makes the information available to, he makes certain things, he simplifies it in a way without dumbing it down so we can really understand what's happening in our nation um, with this president and especially when, you know, Russia got involved. Um, so I work with him. I also, I mean, my list is pretty diverse 
I do feel like I represent what publishing should look like in terms of I have white authors and black authors, but most of my authors are very progressive minded. Um, Lindy West is a New York Times uh, columnist and a feminist that um, that I work with. We published her book, The Witches Are Coming. Um, mm. I've also worked with some people that I grew up watching and really admiring and I feel that really shaped me. Like Ed Gordon um, is a journalist um, who used to be a host on BET Nightly News. Love it, love it. Long time friend. You're, you're, you're publishing all my friends here. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just sitting here listening. I'm like, this is good. This is good. Yeah, Ed's good people. Yeah, he used to, I used to watch him with, with my mom at night. And um, yeah. I just, we published his book, Conversations in Black. And it was, it's very timely because it's also um, discussing, you know, a lot of the issues that are raising up, uh, that are coming up now with uh, COVID-19 and the, the Black community in terms of lit- leadership um, needed. And um, yeah, so that's sort of a range of my list. And I also do, you know, I do some self-help stuff. So you wouldn't be surprised to see things like The Audacity to be Queen, which is by one of my favorite motivational gurus. Um, Gina DeVe and um, Mika Brzezinski, who's also a, the co-host of Morning Joe, has a, um, a, a woman's empowerment series that we published titled Know Your Value. Um, so yeah, women's empowerment, social justice, you know, cultural uh, focus is, those are my passions and those are what I'm allowed to publish at Hachette and I'm really proud of that. So why, segueing into your books now, Queens of the Resistance, uh, talk to us about why you chose, again, these four amazing women. And again, for my listeners, I have a lot of listeners. The podcast is evenly split between female and male, almost females a little bit more. Uh, But it's conservative, it's liberal, it's progressive, it's, you know, independent, it's libertarian and, and all in between. Uh, But I want to encourage everybody to really listen to the why, uh, because the why is really what we all need to be getting to in this modern time, asking the why. And I'm I'm intrigued to know about these four women and why you chose them again amongst so many women you could have written about. What makes them different? Why them? Well, you know, one thing I will start out by saying is what I like about you is that you you're pretty open minded, like your politics don't get get in the way of common sense. And um, <laughs> I try, I try. And you know, they, you know, they, they represent, you know, they, they're from the heart. And I just wanted to write a series, me and my co-author Brenda Jones. That was a few things. We wanted something that will get folks charged up and positive about politics. Right now, politics are very dark, and you know, it's just a sad, very sad situation since 2016. For me, I've been sad ever since Hillary lost. I think Hillary Clinton was a really great candidate. She ha- she was suited up with everything that you would want a presidential candidate to be, and she lost unfairly. Um, and I and I do think a large part of it was that she was a woman, and people just could not get past that. Um, and th- those that sort of a lot of things opened up, you know, with our president, you know, and the things that he has done and his, um, you know, the allegations against him about his involvement with women. Um, So the women, you know, I just think the woman portion of it is often overlooked um, and undiscussed. 
And what we saw in 2017 was a surge of women going into Congress, you know, I think of as a way of fighting back and resisting. And for me, that was just so empowering, so uplifting to see. Um, I'm really hoping that we could really hang on to that energy that we had and also just get younger people really excited about politics and able to see how with the right leaders, politics is a good thing. It's for the people. It's not for white men in suits with money. And I think that these four women, in my opinion, really represented that. And uh, we really, it was very intuitive and really easy to pick who we selected. Um, I wanted the list to be diverse and to show um, the rainbow that should be um, politics and also the different voices and, you know, the, the things about, you know, the, there's a lot of ageism, I think, associated with politics that I wanted to show the different dynamics and, and generational gaps of these women. So um, we picked, you know, the four women that we thought, you know, stood out the most and was appealing across generations because we really wanted the book to be intergenerational. That's our audience target. Uh, we want the books to be read by aunts and their nieces, mothers and daughters, book clubs of all types. So, you know, that's those those that's how we selected the women. We just thought that these four women represented everything we wanted the queens of the resistance to embody in terms of as a movement and as a statement about where what we believe that politics should look like today. Yeah, I think that's right. I, uh, as a, as you know, lifelong moderate Republican before I too, like most never Trumpers, just couldn't do it anymore and uh, had to abandon ship there for lack of a better way to put it. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, I've seen something afoot in our politics now uh, that's frightening. It's no longer collegial. They don't try to work together. They are out to destroy you. Yeah. It is mass destruction. And uh, it wasn't that way when I was a young woman and worked on the Hill as an intern in the Senate when I was in college or when I went back again as a law student and then again as a young lawyer. Um, it was different. I worked on the Republican side of the aisle, one of the very few black people to do that, particularly at that time. But had lunch with people like Donna Brazil all the time who was on the dim side and and Julian Epstein and others we were friends we're still friends to this day um, all of that seems lost and so I, I appreciate the fact that you were trying to bring some positivity and energy uh, to this because I think that's really important right now and I want to talk about you know you said something interesting and I agree uh, I think back to the 2016 election all the time and I remember being on the phone that night election night talking to Karen Finney one of my dear friends you probably know Karen and Karen worked for Hillary Clinton and you know as a CNN contributor has been in politics a long time she was Hillary's uh deputy press secretary when she was first lady and I remember being on the phone I'm like Karen we're gonna you're gonna win this right this is gonna be all right right (laughs) she's like yeah she's like Wisconsin and Michigan will hold don't worry and well Wisconsin and Michigan didn't hold and I remember feeling this sinking feeling like this cannot be happening. Like America really cannot be electing a man that said he was going to grab a woman by her genitalia. Like, wow. Yeah. And I would like to get your thoughts, you know, on um, the fact you brought up because she's a woman. I totally agree that she was covered differently. You know, Trump could say the most unbelievable, off the wall, vile things. And everything she did was scrutinized from the way she dressed to the way her hair was, to her makeup, 
when she was sick and came down with the flu. Uh, you know, oh, she's weak. She's got a brain aneurysm. I mean, it was insane. It was insane. And the, and the media did this. The mainstream media catered to him. Yep. They kept putting him on. Don't even get me started by the, how that's all going on still. What? What? Why do you think in the year, we're in 2020 now, and thinking of these four amazing women that you've written about, I fully agree that they all came to prominence kind of post Hillary's loss, with the exception of Nancy Pelosi, of course, because she had become speaker long before Hillary got the nomination to be president. Uh, but why is it that you think women kind of woke up, if you will, after the election and Hillary lost? What, what what do you think happened that made women march and run for office and do what they did? I think it's like what you said. I think it's, you know, we were definitely confronted. It was such in-your-face misogyny. There was just no denying about it. There was just, I mean, we had the videos. This is the man that was winning, um, quote-unquote. Um, and they were, I mean, it was, it was just disgusting the way the media was, you know, letting this narrative about Hillary just take place. These allegations about the emails, but also the ridiculousness of the pantsuits. And that's what really sort of took me over. I mean, you know, the way she looked, I mean, she was just, I mean, she, she, she was the ice queen, you know, she was just never nice enough, never feminine enough. Then you have people like uh, Sarah Palin, who was, oh, beloved, she was quirky. You know, she fit everything that we think that women are supposed to be in those positions. And that's, it's just not real. And I wanted to create these stories because these women are fierce. And I find someone like Nancy Pelosi very fierce, but also very feminine. And um, she is also continuously brutalized um, by the media and you know there's women and there's just women that are our our sheroes like auntie maxine who just says that you are not going to intimidate me like you know when bill o'reilly attacked her for her hairstyle um you know and, and yeah said she looked like james brown didn't she either him or trump one of them said she looked like james brown yeah they said she looked it was him he said he, she looked like james brown it was supposed to be some sort of joke but these right. are the sort of details that, you know, are constantly poked at and, and women in these positions uh, in powerful positions in general. Um, and these women just um, were they don't really they don't take that. They don't take that. They don't they don't hold on to it and they don't hide and make themselves small because of it. I think um, in a way, I think a lot of women learn from Hillary. You know, I don't think. Hillary really um, expressed fully who she was because she had to be so careful and everything was just, um, you know, analyzed so much in, in the wrong way. And she was the, you know, she was the sheep or uh, the lamb or whatever. So um, I think I love women like Elizabeth Warren, who is fire and um, she's highly intelligent, high, has proven to be highly capable in um, helping the American people. And she's, you know, also, you know, she doesn't bite unless she has to. And when she does, it's from a very pragmatic place. And she's not afraid to use that when she needs it. And I just think that she's a wonderful example and um, Maxine Waters of that fierceness um, and just being unapologetic about being a woman and having layers and, um, you know, showing your power and using your power and your intelligence. I yeah, I agree. Two things come to mind, and I want to talk a little about AOC as we wind down, um, because I think she's fascinating. Um, 
One, um, I have a story. Uh, this happened back during the primaries. And, you know, I really was surprised, Krishan, that Elizabeth Warren didn't do better. Yeah. I was actually really surprised. I mean, big Kamala Harris fan because she's an AKA. She's my soror and all that. But uh, Elizabeth Warren, because of everything you mentioned, I really, I thought she handled herself great in all the debates. I thought, I, I think she knows how to use a combination of wit and... Um, uh, intelligence to, to disarm, to deflect you if she needs to. Um, I think that I was surprised, and I said to a white male mentor of mine, someone I've known 30 years, and he's been enormously helpful to my career and otherwise, and I said to him, why do you think Warren's not doing better? And he got quiet, and he said, because nobody likes her. And I was like, really? And he said, you know, I talked to some people and he's like, and I said, well, who are these people? Were these men people or women people? He's like, well, it was guys. He's like, and no man wants a woman always running her mouth. She thinks she knows everything. She's condescending. And he just like, oh my gosh. And I'm on the other side, like with my jaw dropped, like, who are you? And what did you do with this person? I thought I knew for the last 30 wow. years. And he's a very high earning executive, um, makes big money. Wife stays home, just sent first kid off the college. Very traditional white male, very patriarchal. And I think that Elizabeth Warren just rubbed like that Hillary factor, although they're different. I think that being so competent and so accomplished sometimes can be a disadvantage for us. Yeah, I think it was completely a disadvantage. I mean, in both Warren and um, Clinton. And I just think that Warren didn't get any media play until she got, till she had, till she presented a certain, you know, when she took down um, Bloomberg. Otherwise, it was like no focus on her because, like you said in the beginning of this, it's all become just propaganda. It's all become mm-hmm. who is making the next, you know, who has the 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 the, the, the craziest soundbite or you know whatever it was not about capability it's never about the right things and that is why you know we're suffering as a country um yeah Yeah, i think so and 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 i want to get to aoc because i want to talk about her a bit before we wind down i like to keep these podcasts tight but back to um nancy pelosi because i think that one of the seminal moments one of the most powerful moments was that picture of her in that room full of men standing up and letting them have yeah that was great and what I think was important about that picture, one, it was a room full of all white men, um, and there was her. There was no woman of color in that room. There might have been some women sitting on the side who were Trump staffers like Kellyanne and some others, but they weren't in that shot, which is what made it so powerful. And in that picture, she was next to the president, the most powerful person in that room, constitutionally. And... The fact that she, you know, she's walked out of the White House with her bad coat on, with a nice brooch, with her fly sunglasses. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, she's, cool. she's so cool. And I like what you said about, and women listening, please hear this because I think this is so important. Um, you have to balance your femininity with your power. It, it, it just is what it is. Um, and I think you have to be vulnerable. And I think you have to let people see you. You have to be unafraid. Which brings me to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her, she's just amazing to be so young. She gets it and she's unafraid to put her story out there. She knows how to have fun. Tell me why you, why you chose her. I think she's just a real 
regular person. And I don't say that just to say that she's not amazing. I just think she's a wonderful example of politics for the people, you and me. I mean, she, you know, she has, she was a waitress and she, you know, she has this great American story, but a lot of them do. A lot of Congress, a lot of people in Congress, they're not there to make all the money. And they, a lot of them don't have any money. But, um, you know, AOC, you know, she was a waitress. She was dedicated to change. You know, she, you know, she, this, this came upon her. It was something that she didn't even seek. And, but her mission um, for change led her there. And I just think that's an inspiring story. And I think once your your listeners read the series, um, they will get that from a lot of these stories. I mean, a lot of these stories consist of um, these women going to into rooms that they never thought they would and having to really own their power in the room. Nancy Pelosi was a homemaker who threw these great parties um, in San Francisco. She did not want to, when she was called for the, position, she did not want to do it. She had to really think about it if she wanted to change her life and get into this role. And, you know, she stepped up to the plate and look at her now. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And you you talked a little bit about ageism. Nancy Pelosi's what just turned 80. Correct? Yeah. She didn't Am start. She didn't that? come into Kaiser, into Congress officially into her, into four, her 40s. Her right? 40s. Right. And look at her, but again, she is absolutely beautiful at 80. Yeah. She looks stunning. She's, uh, you look, I think that these women, you picked four really amazing women. Again, I might not agree. I probably don't agree with 50% of what they agree with or what they are proponents of. But the beauty is I can admire them as I do. I applaud them when they go in and I'm like, go girl, (laughs) you got it. Um, And I think we have to find that connectivity as women to be able to support each other we don't have to. I'm so over this notion, Krishan, that we have to agree about everything. We yeah. don't. We, we have to agree about the important things, which are feeding hungry kids and not putting babies in cages and making sure America's safe and making sure that we get a vaccine for this coronavirus, for this COVID crisis. We have to make sure that Black people in this country have equal justice under the law and that you and I don't have to fear being pulled over for a traffic ticket and maybe not coming out alive. Yeah. And I think that those are the things that we need to focus on. Let me let me wrap with this. Why do you think it matters that A, we have women in positions of power in this country, particularly in political power? And B, do you think it matters that women lead differently than men? Yeah, I think we have to have women um, and because we need women to represent our needs. And I do think that we are better leaders. One quick example I know because we have to wrap is Maxine Waters worked with a lot of the you know, feminists, the, you know, Gloria Steinem and the white feminists to get to where she is. They are the ones who worked with her and along with Shirley Chisholm to get her into Congress. They, they organized the knock on the door and the knocks on the doors and everything with Maxine Waters to get her into the city council because she had, she was in a, she was on a mission to get Head Start programs available to um, the, the communities of color. Mm-hmm. So these are the sort of things that if women are in politics, we can really represent each other and, and represent our bodies and, you know, and our politics, even if it's just like childcare. I mean, I love this conversation um, that women like Elizabeth Warren and AOC 
um, are really pushing about childcare and um, just like it, it without them being there, these these discussions just don't happen. Like, which male politicians do you see advocating um, so hard for childcare? Um, you know, packages. Yeah, you know, your books remind me um, of uh, that Hulu series. Mr. Yes, America. I love that. I don't series. know if you've been watching it, but it's fascinating yeah. and. I haven't obviously uh, read them yet. I read through the materials you sent me, but I'm excited to read them again. I'm saying this, listeners, as a moderate Republican woman my entire adult life, and uh, I still admire these women. I admire that uh, the courage and the, the 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 bravery and the willingness to be the only woman in the room of powerful men and say, hey, that's not going to work out. We're not doing that. No. And so it is, I also think exciting, uh, Krishan, that the next generation, as you talk about, let's talk about quickly how you think these four women impact the next generation of women, regardless of party that run for office. Yeah, I think that, you know, AOC, for example, is making waves with, um, you know, putting together work in Elizabeth Warren with student loan, um, you know, looking out for Mm -hmm. Uh, student loan debt and I I mean I wish that these things were I I wish that these discussions were happening when I was in college accruing debt Um, and you know just looking at the impact on millennials um, that it could have especially during a time like this where you know a lot of us are losing our jobs I think that that these are the sort of topics that we should be having to get younger generations excited about politics they need to see that politics is not just Donald Trump and being mad about his racist comments, but it's also getting behind some of your uh, elected officials to, you know, because you're going to go to college and these are the, these are sort of things that you want in place. I mean, so many, even Trump University, so many students were taken advantage of because of these false universities that Elizabeth Warren has made um, waves in getting eliminated or the, or, or creating at least um you know structures where this they can't be so you know just do whatever they want to take right. advantage of these students right. right trust me i know i went to law school i had a lot of loans and um it's painful and yes you want to pay them back but the interest i could have got a better rate from the mob <laughs> i could have gone to the mob today. And I mean that sincerely, the robbery that they do to students with regard to, you know, accrual of daily interest and compounding the interest when you have to put them in forbearance. And not everybody comes out of college or law school able to afford $500, dollars $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 a month for your student loan payment because of the interest. And when I came out, the interest was eight and a half percent, I think maybe it was nine. One thing you'll learn in the in the books is, you know, the impact of women like Maxine Waters, who when you read her book and you read um, Elizabeth Warren books, you see how they are connected because of the disadvantage that um, some some people from communities of color are at when they when they have to go into this debt. There's not a lot of inheritance or anything. It really sets us back differently yes yeah and then there's the whole discrimination piece which is very real and we come out and we don't get paid the same yeah uh when we come out we can't get the same jobs people with less education and less experience with the right color skin can get these jobs these are the discussions 
that we're going to have to have as a country if we're going to get past this very awful moment that we're having yet again, yet again, listeners. I want to be clear that George Floyd's death, his murder, is not an outlier event. This happens a lot in America. Black people have to be afraid now to jog, to bird watch, to sit in their college dormitory, to drive a car, to eat in a restaurant, to, you know, uh, go to a party in a backyard. It's it's pretty scary stuff. And so, Krishan, I want to give you the last word. One, I want you to tell people where they can follow you on social media and find you and uh, where they can buy the book. Um, you can follow me at Krishan Trotman um, on, you know, Instagram is my main platform these days. Um, and use the hashtag Queens of the Resistance if you really enjoyed this discussion or and definitely if you have purchased the books, because the, the more books that we can purchase um, in these sort of social justice areas and really show publishers and media that we care about these subjects and we want our um, our our women celebrated, then it makes a statement bigger than you know. We can have more things pub- uh, published and shown on Netflix. It just creates, mm-hmm. it's a way of activism that is very subtle, but it has an impact. Um, yeah. Um, where can they get the books and when are they released? Are yeah, they so you can pre-order now? the books now wherever you uh, purchase books, um, whether from indie bookstores or Amazon, Amazon Barnes, Barnes & Noble. And um, they are available for pre-order and they actually launch on June 30th. Okay, well, listen, folks, I'm going to recap. So our guest today is Krishan Trotman. She's an executive editor at Hachette Books. uh, And she is now an author herself, which is exciting. Queens of the Resistance. Again, I want to encourage all my listeners. If we're going to learn about each other, if we're going to become One America, which is the title of this podcast, If we're going to unite, we're going to have to learn to learn about each other, to learn each other's stories. And I'm excited, uh, Krishan, to learn about the backstories of these four ladies. I know a lot about them already because I'm a political junkie, but um, I'm excited to learn more. And I want my listeners to do that, too. So I want you to take your political partisan hat off. And I want you just to, particularly the women that listen, let's support this woman. Let's support her co-author. Let's support the women that the books are about and let's learn about them and then we'll come back and we'll have you back and we'll have your co-author back and we'll do a discussion and make and if we're able to we'll try to take calls and do stuff like that so um thank you so thank much you. for being here today sean um anything you want to leave our listeners with I, i'll give you the last word um i just want to say thank you for listening and continue to you know, do what you can to get the younger generation excited, even if it means just buying this book for them, someone that you love. All right. Thank you, Krishan. Thank you, you have a good one. Sophia. Take care.